Welcome, Victory family and guests that are joining us today. It's our honor to have you participate in our worship here at Victory. Obviously, these are incredibly different days that we're facing. Um, though the service at the local church is canceled, I just want to remind you that prayer isn't canceled. I want to remind you that, that sharing God's good news is never canceled. I want to remind you also that giving isn't canceled. Um, just sharing a testimony of the goodness of God among your friends, your neighbors, those people that are around you, all the while we're keeping our social distance, I recognize. Just such an unusual term that's, I'm sure, will be added to the English dictionary uh, this year. But we have a word that we want to bring to you. I believe it's timely. I believe it will bring encouragement to you. We're in this series called Courageous. And the message today, different from last week, last week is up on our website and various social media platforms, all of them Victory Church Mid-South. The, the message last Sunday was about overcoming fear. Today, it's taking a step beyond that and finding courage. We're going to differentiate what that means today. The title of the message is called Courage in the Storm. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Paul the Apostle says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Those are four strong directives. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. I believe if there ever was a passage of Scripture that was pertinent to what we need today, it would be that passage. It's so important that we as the church of Jesus Christ arise to our calling as people of destiny, as light in the middle of the darkness, as salt in the middle of the corruption of a world system, and just share the light and show the love of God. And so it's important that we exercise these four areas of being on guard, standing firm in the faith, being courageous, and being strong. At Victory, I like to uh, preach with the idea of one thing. One thing that folk can take home with them, if they don't get anything else out of the message at all, then they've got this one concept. And it's kind of like the chorus in a song that we repeat and sing again. The one thing that I want to bring to you today is this. My focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. Now think about this. My focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. With that, I'd just like to bow my heart and let's bow our heads together in prayer and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just ask you today that as we pause in this moment, that you would minister strength and comfort and courage into the hearts of everyone that is battling COVID-19. Lord, we pray for those that are on the front line, the first responders, the doctors and nurses, and all of the people that are continuing all the essential business, Father, to just make America continue to work and operate. We pray protection. We pray your blessing upon them. We ask you, Lord, for those that are in the research laboratory, that you would grant the wisdom of God and those that are creative, Father, would begin to find solutions, that you would, uh, that you would light a fire and bring a spark and that a light bulb of understanding would come on. I just pray and ask you in the name of Jesus that you would drive back, Lord, this pandemic 
And that in the middle of this fear that is all around us, the terror that people are having in their hearts, that you would just arise and bring comfort and peace. We ask these things in your name. Amen. First of all, today I want to ask the question, what is courage? Courage in the storm. And I've got a story I'm going to tell in just a moment. Courage means, if you look it up or Google it, the the word courage means the ability to do something that frightens one. The second definition is strength in the face of pain or grief. I know something about that personally. The word courage comes from the French word cour, which means heart. Now think about this. Today, my mission is to encourage you. I want to put heart into you. I want to strengthen your heart. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. When nobody else will encourage you, it's your responsibility to encourage yourself. Now think about this. Other folks set out to discourage us. Dis is the name of the mythical God of the underworld. Anything that is dis, dis-ease, distress, discourage. Anything that has dis in front of it is the idea of subtracting from, pulling it out of you, to take heart out of you, to remove courage or strength or valor or boldness from you. I don't want anything to discourage you. I want to encourage you in the name of the Lord today. Remember that courage is not the absence of fear. Some folk think that courage is fearlessness, and that's not true. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's action in the face of it. An old movie that was a favorite of mine, the 1969 John Wayne movie, he's, he gives us this quote, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Every one of us has got a horse to ride, a business to contend with, with the problems we're facing, a family to protect and provide for. Whatever that is, you need to saddle up and ride anyway. We need to have courage in the face of the fears that we face. The Bible is filled with stories of courage. David and Goliath, Esther, the young Jewish young lady who put her own life on the line to protect her people and ended up becoming queen in the process. Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew youths in the fiery furnace. Those are just a few of multitudes of stories of courage that we find in the Bible where folk who were the underdog and under the gun found strength in the middle of their weakness as they turned their hearts and their attention and their trust toward God. Remember our one thing, my focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. The story I want to bring to you for just the next few moments today is found in Matthew chapter 14, and it's about the disciples that are in the middle of a storm. Now, the context for this story, earlier in that very same day, Jesus had just thrown the very first fish and chips day in Israel. He had taken a young boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish, and he had multiplied that enough to feed 5,000 men. If you count the women and children, it was approximately 20,000 folk that got fed from five loaves and two fish. The disciples were all there, saw that miracle of provision multiplied happen right in front of their eyes. As a matter of fact, the Lord instructed the disciples to take what he had multiplied and pass it out to the people that were sitting in groups. At the end of the day, After Jesus had spoken and given the word and encouraged the hearts of the people about the things of the kingdom of God, the disciples gathered up all the fragments of fish and bread left over, and there were 12 baskets full, a basket for every disciple. 
Jesus sent the people home and he instructed the disciples to get in a boat and to cross the Sea of Galilee while he went up on a mountain to pray. In 2008, after finishing a graduate degree, I treated myself to a history and teaching tour, eight-day tour of Israel, and I've been right there in the middle of uh, the Sea of Galilee. I've, I've stood on the mountain, climbed it to where Jesus knelt and prayed, and from that precipice, he had the ability to actually see over that whole Sea of Galilee, even to the other side. And he saw the disciples toiling on that sea in the middle of the night in a storm. It's an unusual meteorological situation there, a geographical situation, because it's like down in a bowl between two small ranges of hills. And because of that, it creates a weather phenomenon, a meteorological phenomenon that happens almost daily. There'll be a thunderstorm that'll come up on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus sent the disciples across the sea knowing they were going to encounter a storm that night. And the Bible says in verse 24 of Matthew 14, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. So you, you hear the description here of a storm. Strong winds are blowing, heavy waves are crashing in over the boat. Verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Did you hear what he said? Jesus spoke to them immediately or at once. He said, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. Take heart. Take courage. I am here. Now think about this. Every disciple was sitting with a miracle basket between his legs. They were rowing and toiling all the time. They were terrified from looking at the circumstances that were around them. These guys had been in the presence of a miracle-working Son of God. They'd witnessed personally blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, dead people were raised. The miracle they'd just come from was the provisions of multiplication. Five loaves and two fish fed 20,000, and 12 baskets full were left over. In the middle of sitting in a storm with a basket full of miracle in between every one of those disciples' legs, they were not focused on the potential of the presence of God or trusting in the Lord, but they were focused on the danger of the storm that was round, around them. There was no room for their faith because their focus was wrong. They only saw the danger of the storm and they couldn't see their opportunity for faith. Now remember that. I'm coming back to that in a moment. Danger and opportunity. The danger of the storm, the opportunity of their faith. But Jesus showed up and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. And the presence of the Lord changed everything. It certainly changed their focus. It got their eyes off of the storm and onto Jesus. And that's when our lives can change, when we get our eyes off the circumstances and things that terrify us, and we begin to put our eyes on the Lord. But there's the rest of the story here that I want to just tell you because it's kind of a one-two punch in this passage of Scripture. The very next verse, they're still in the storm. Jesus is still on the water. Their focus has changed. They're looking at him now. The Bible says, Then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. Two simple words. Yes, it's me. Come, Peter. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water. Hear that. Walked on the water toward Jesus. 
Verse 30, this is when it all starts to change. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Get this. He was terrified and he began to sink. That happened after his focus got off of Jesus and got on to the wind and the waves. Fear will always take you down. He was terrified and he began to sink and he shouted, Save me, Lord. And the verse 31 says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He says, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Verse 32, they close this passage. It says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, don't miss that. I'm coming back to that in a moment. Peter's focus was wrong, folk. The wind and the waves had no bearing on Peter's ability to walk on water. Now, think about this. Walking on water isn't any easier on a smooth lake than on a storm-induced choppy one. If you think it is, go, go run your tub full of water and just, just take a couple of steps and see how easily you can walk across the top of that surface. The storm had nothing to do, had no bearing on what was holding up Peter. He was looking at the wrong stuff. His focus was wrong. He saw danger instead of looking at the opportunity for faith in the one who was carrying him. It was the faith of God that was buoying him up on the top of that surface of that water. As long as Peter looked at Jesus, he was fine. When he started focusing on the storm and the circumstances around him, he became terrified and he began to sink. But thank God, it says in the very next words, save me, Lord, and the scripture says immediately Jesus grabbed him. And I want you to know that the storm you're facing right now that Jesus is as close to you as your next word that you breathe out. Jesus, save me. And don't miss this, the last line. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. What's the point, pastor? Well, the point is this. Whatever storm you're in, you need to get Jesus in the boat. Get Jesus in the boat because when he gets in the boat, peace comes. You need to get Jesus in the boat of your business. Get Jesus in the boat of your marriage. Get Jesus in the boat of your family. Get Jesus in the boat of your health. And when you get Jesus in the boat, what am I saying? You need to invite the presence of God into your storm. What is our one thing? Remember, my focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. As I close today, I want to bring you just, just a few very quick things that we can all do to be courageous. That is, that we can... We can be scared, but we can saddle up anyway. We can take action in spite of the fear that we have. Number one, change my focus. I've got to look in a new direction. Isaiah 57, 15 says this. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose, whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore Look at that word. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble. Restoration is ours. And it's not going to cost us anything except just humbling ourselves. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage. There it is right there. Revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Now, you may have sin you need to repent of today. But really, that's not the direction that I'm speaking in this very moment. Because repentance doesn't just mean to be sorry for sin and leave it. It means to change your focus, to change your mind, to be going one direction and to turn away from that direction and go another direction. 
Quit looking at what's terrifying you and get your eyes on Jesus. Repent of what your focus has been on and lift it up to the Lord. Realize this. Every crisis has two aspects, danger and opportunity. There are people right now that are not focusing on the danger of, the, of COVID-19 and they're, they're making serious moves in business. They've built up some margin. They've got some capital. They're investing in the stock market when things are priced low. You know what? They're going to profit from this. I believe that God can give you creative ideas in the middle of this storm that we're facing that will bring blessing to you, to your life, to your family. My focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. Number two, the second thing that we can do to be more courageous is just crank up our hope. Crank up our hope. Remember I told you last week that hope is greater than fear. Job eleven eighteen says, having hope will give you courage. Hope moves my focus out of what I'm looking at right in front of me and it stretches my perspective to what God is going to do in my life. Hope is a twin sister of faith and when you have hope, then faith is right there beside her. Hope will give you courage is what the scripture says. My focus, remember, in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. The third thing that we can do to be more courageous is to guard our hearts. I have to take personal responsibility to guard my heart. What goes in is going to come out. The scripture says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I appreciate the fact that something can happen on the other side of the world and we can hear about it in the next five minutes as soon as the reporter's on the scene. But the negative side, the flip side of that same coin is that in this culture of a 24-hour news cycle that we live in, that we are being saturated, we are being marinated in this constant fear culture. Folk, I want to tell you, there are, there are two pandemics that are happening right now, not just coronavirus, but the second pandemic is one of fear. And I want to tell you that we have the ability to come against that. We can stop that. We can choose what we think about. We can change our focus. We can crank up our hope. We can guard our hearts. That's why we're trying to provide some soul care here at Victory with some regular encouraging moments. Just one minute. You can log on to Instagram, to um, our Victory Facebook page, to my personal Facebook page. And you can see almost daily some what we call encouraging moments. It's just one quick minute and it will lift your spirit. It will, it will recalibrate your perspective. It will realign your focus on the things of God. Because when you have hope, it will give you courage. My focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. Number four, the fourth thing that we can do to be more courageous is to walk by faith and not by sight. The New Living Translation says, for we live by believing and not by seeing. It's the natural man that says, I'll believe it when I see it. But it's the spiritual man that says, I'll see it when I believe it. And that's how the kingdom of God operates. It's, it's a reciprocal. It's upside down. We, we die to live. We give to receive. We sow to reap. We serve in order to lead. And we believe in order to see. 
The spiritual person will say, I'll see it when I believe it. And so I make the choice to believe, and then God says, I will see his promises in my life. That's why my focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. Finally this morning, and I'm finished, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. The fifth thing that I want to share with you in my last one in these moments together that I can do, that you can do, to be more courageous is to keep my eyes on Jesus. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, in the King James, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The New Living Translation says, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We've got to keep our focus. We've got to put our attention. We've got to rivet our attention to what God is doing and saying in the middle of the crisis that we face. Otherwise, we won't have any heart left to be able to take care of our families and to jump back into our business as this thing begins to subside and the economy ramps back up again. I just want to say this to you this morning. The COVID-19 crisis will pass, but until it does, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I promise you, if you'll do the same, It'll make every difference in your life. Why? Because our focus in any crisis is often more critical than the crisis itself. And as I close this morning, I just want to remind you that we all have the opportunity to do what Peter did. In the middle of a drowning moment, he said, save me, Lord. If you've never crossed the line of faith and surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, it's very simple. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. Nobody does. I'll be the first one to stand in line and tell you there are no perfect people, only Jesus. The scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what you work for. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10 wraps it up and basically says, if you believe this story about the Son of God that the Father sent, that he came and he lived a sinless, spotless life and he died and was buried and he became the sin bearer of your sins and mine and you believe the third day he rose from the dead, the scripture says, if we confess him with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we'll be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right where you are. Now, you already may have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and being saved at this moment is not about heaven. It's about being saved out of the fear that you've been in. You know what the same words work? Save me, Lord. Change my focus. Help me redirect my thoughts toward you. When I am afraid, the psalmist said, I put my trust in the Lord. So this morning... I'd like you to pray with me. At the close of this, there will be several opportunities for you to be able to contact us if you've made a fresh start. We'd like to help you in any way we can, pray for you. Any prayer needs that you have, there will be a, an announcement regarding the frontline prayer ministry. We'll personally pray for your needs. Our whole staff is involved in doing that. But if in this moment, if you would just bow your hearts with me and pray, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing, everlasting love that you've given to us. Thank you that you love us so much. There's nothing we could do to make you love us more. 
But God, the opposite's also true. There's nothing we could do so bad that would make you love us any less. Thank you that you reach out, Father, by the Holy Spirit and you captivate the hearts of those that are listening. Make them to know, oh God, that your, your love and your comfort and your strength reaches to them. And in this moment, we make a choice. We turn to you. We, we stand upon that word that says that you will restore those who are contrite and humble. And you will revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. And God, we repent. We turn from our past. We turn from our, the way we were going and our focus in our own direction. Turn this nation, oh God, I pray. Turn the hearts of the people back to you. Lord, as we do that right now, we ask you, Jesus, that you would save us and fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would be Lord of our lives, that you would guide us and direct us and strengthen us. Bring healing, O Lord, to those that are struggling. Bring courage and protection to those that are on the front line, we pray. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we lift these things up. Amen and amen. Be blessed, folks. We love you.